Hello, Titan family, and welcome to another episode of Fram and Friends podcast. I'm Matt Olson, and I'm honored to be here as we take the show on the virtual road to visit with one of Cal State Fullerton's most prominent and active alumni. As per usual, here to kick things off and introduce our guest is our host and your president, Fram Virgie. Well, hey, everybody. I'm glad to talk to you, even though it is virtual. I miss seeing you. I miss being on campus and uh, uh, being close to you and uh, finding out what's going on with your life. Uh, been trying to keep up with you as many of you, as you as I can virtually. I know we had our town hall, which was successful, and our uh, university awards ceremony. I want to make sure we recognize all those folks. It was a great time. But today, I don't want to waste any, any of this precious time because we have an amazing guest. We are so lucky, you guys. Uh, we have uh, Congressman Lou Correa with us today. And I will tell you, um, you know, I've been part of the Titan Nation for about three years now, and I've loved every minute of it. And I met Congressman Correa almost right, right from the start. He sought, sought me out, and uh, he, won't, he won't think this is true, but he, he, he wagged his virtual finger at me, and he said, you better do a good job because this is my alma mater, and I don't want any problems. We're going to make this place greater and better. And he has always shown up for us. Lou, welcome to the show. Very glad to have you. Dr. Fram, it's good to uh, be with you on this show. And, and you're absolutely right. I did call and, and tell you that uh, you better do a good job. But I also added that I was there to work with you as a team to make sure that the job got done. Um, I'm a Titan. Uh, I'm an alumni, class of 1980. You blink and 40 years go by. But, you know, um, Cal State Fullerton, it's a great place to go to school, great educational experience. And I meant it when I said, when I called you and said, great legacy, you got big shoes to fill because uh, Cal State Fullerton has really done a great job of educating uh, our blue collar, our middle class here in Orange County. And we have tremendous alumni that have gone on to do great things. And so both uh, Dr. Fran and Lou, the Congressman, uh, we got a lot of, uh, on our shoulders, we got a lot to live up to. You're right. Lou, I want to start uh, just where you did, which is uh, with your roots. I know you grew up in Anaheim. You know, I feel like I could, when I'm in my office, I could throw a rock. If I, if I was a, if I was a tri Titan pitcher, I'd be able to throw a rock and, and hit you. Um, and that you still have deep <laughs> roots in the community. In fact, I understand you live just a couple of miles from your childhood home. Can you tell us what it was like growing up in Anaheim in those days? What did your parents do for a living? Um, how was elementary school, high school? What was it like to be in Anaheim back then? Great question, Fran. And Dr. Virgie, you know, that saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Today, I represent Central Lawrence County, those same neighborhoods I grew up in. Anaheim High School, Santa Ana High School, Magnolia, Savannah, Catella, Santa Ana Valley. And, and the beauty is when I see those kids, they have decisions to make like I had. They have the same challenges at home. The parents, blue collar. My dad, factory worker, still around, God love him, 92 years old, still crusty, grumpy. But you know what? Um, when I graduated from high school, my dad said, you know, son, congratulations, you're graduating. I'm going to give you a gift. And, you know, I was expecting a gold watch, right? Something of the sort, a new car. And he said, go on and get your education. 
You don't have to worry about paying the rent. You don't have to worry about helping us pay the rent at home or pay the bills. And, and I thought, geez. But 40 years later, he gave me the best gift he could have ever given me, which was the financial freedom to study. And today, when I meet these kids, they say to me, I need to help out at home. I need to help pay the rent, pay the bills, and I need to afford college. Same thing 40 years ago. Um, uh, when I got to Cal State Fullerton, again, I went to Anaheim High School. We weren't a prominent high school. We weren't one of those uh, good performing high schools. We were just lucky to graduate, and sports got me through there. And when I got to Cal State Fullerton, I had to take remedial English, remedial reading, remedial math. And uh, Cal State Fullerton was a ticket for me. It did it for me. Four years later, I graduated with high honors, got accepted to all the major universities. And as I look back at my days at Cal State Fullerton, I think to myself, that's what I needed. I needed a place that I could afford, a place that was a teaching institution, because you know, you have a lot of institutions that don't want to really teach. You have faculty that are there to do the research, and you're supposed to learn the stuff on your own, kind of like law school. But to me, when you're a kid from the hood, you need that extra help to make it through. Cal State Fullerton was the place. And uh, I have to tell you, the counselors, the teachers, my fellow classmates, a great family, great family. So you grew up in a working class neighborhood, I know that, and, and, uh, but, but some, there was something in, um, in the DNA of your folks that said, you're going to college. We talked about this before. I know you're a man of faith. I know uh, a church is important to you, family is important. What were the values of, of that, that formed you, Lou, and turned you into the amazing guy that you are today? I'm not a religious person, uh, Dr. Fram, but I am a person of faith. I believe in God. I believe in working hard. I believe in doing good, doing as you would have those do unto you. Um, I believe in helping my community. When I graduated from Cal State Fullerton, I went to UCLA, got a law degree and an MBA, worked as an investment banker for 10 years. It wasn't something that I woke up every day to and, and would say, I'm excited, I'm gonna to go to work, no. But when I got into politics, this is something that I live, I love to do 24 hours a day because helping people, making the world just a little bit better, representing my constituents, it's the greatest high you could ever have. And just two days ago, I went back to the old neighborhood and not making this up, but I went to the same apartments I grew up in, in Anaheim. And on Philadelphia and Water Street. And I was talking to one of the residents there and she said, seven of us live in this little apartment, a two bedroom. And she says to me, I sleep on the floor, but I'm blessed because my grandchildren, three generations in this little apartment, told me my grandchild just graduated from Catella High School, class of 2020, no graduation ceremony, but he's graduating and he's going on to junior college and he's making it. And I told her, I said, well, I said, uh, I, I hate to brag to you, but when I lived in the apartment behind you, there was 10 of us living in the apartment. <laughs> so the point is, again, 
things change, but they remain the same. And to me, um, when I was in the legislature in the state, these experiences shaped my public policy. I, I had people, for example, that came to me and said, we got to outlaw overcrowded apartments. And I thought to myself, well, you trying to make me an outlaw? Is that what you're trying to do? And then I remember another time when I was in the state legislature, some of my colleagues saying, we have to change our policy when it comes to Cal States. We can't have remedial English in math classes. The students should get the Cal State as freshmen and be ready to hit it. And I would tell my colleagues, well, you know, guys, that was kind of me growing up taking remedial classes. I remember uh, people talking about bilingual education, dual immersion. And Democrats and Republicans with the same background that I had stepped up and said, wait a minute, these are important learning experiences, important learning processes. So, you know, when, when you get to be a legislature, late tour legislator, you take the experiences that you grew up with, you take the things, as you put it, that made your DNA, and you use that to legislate. And that's the way democracy is supposed to work. Today in Congress, I'm one of 435 people. What I've got to do is represent my constituents. They have one voice, and that's Lou in the legislature. And that's what I do day in and day out. Sometimes it's easy, and sometimes it's not easy, because the hardest thing in life is saying no to your friends. Yeah. And you got to do that once in a while. Yet at the same time, I have to tell you, you pull back. I, I look at my immigrant experience. I look at my parents. I look at my neighbors and I say to myself, this is the greatest country in the world. It's not perfect. We have challenges, but it's the greatest country in the world. Where else could you take a kid from the hood who got lucky, who hung out probably with the wrong people at the wrong time, but never really got in that kind of trouble and is now in Congress. I don't know where else in the world you get that. And to me, that, that speaks to the, the American dream that it's still alive. The American dream that if you work hard, you believe, you keep the faith, it can make miracles happen. You can achieve your dreams. And this is kind of the story I have that I, that, that I share with the young people in the neighborhoods when I see them. I, I like to tell them that's where I grew up, like this lady. You're lucky it's only seven of you in that apartment when it was 10 of us when I was growing up 40 years ago in this area. Um, people need to know that there is a pathway and, and you have to show them that the pathway is one that's right in front of you. And it's not a crime to be poor. It's not a crime to have to take remedial classes. It's not a crime to live in a situation that maybe is challenging. So I remember the first time we met Lou was on campus uh, when I came to speak on a Saturday with you to one of your, uh, your cohorts from your program for high schoolers that are getting ready for college. And I listened yeah, to- Our Young Congressional Leaders Program, that's correct. And I, uh, didn't, I didn't know you well, but I, I, fell, I fell in love with you, buddy, when you told your tuna, tuna story. Tell your tuna story. You <laughs> 
my tuna story. Now, uh, prerequisite, those cans of tunas have to be 12 ounces. And the story I tell people that um, going to Cal State Fullerton gave me the blessing of not having to work. Instead of taking that time to work, I took that time to study. Okay, I'm just a kid from the hood. I got to work extra hard to make it happen. And in those days, I didn't have money to buy a lunch on campus. So what I would do is I would take a can of tuna with me to Cal State Fullerton every day. Take my little can opener, because those days they weren't pop tops. You had to have, open it up. And I would find a little secluded place on the grass, and I would eat my can of tuna with a cup of water. And I told people, it didn't cost me much. And what it did is provided me a good nutritious, nutritious lunch that would just hold me over till 9 or 10 p.m. when I'd go home. And that's kind of the way I survived. I, I got to tell you, it was a good formula because I was mean, lean. I was a fighting machine because I spent a lot of time in the gym. And with that kind of a diet, I actually uh, looked pretty good in those days. But my point to people when I tell them that story is where there's a will, there's a way. Okay. Sometimes you, you just got to tough it out. You got to figure it out, but you can do it. And, and that's the beauty of this country. You can do it. You just got to figure out how to do it. Can never take no for an answer. Can never say it's too hard. You just got to figure it out. So I also know that you, you mentioned, you touched on it. You were a little bit of a, of a, a workout fiend when you were in college. I know football was important to you and that weight room was important to you. How did you balance, tell our students, how did you balance the athletics and that sort of piece with your studies? Well, I have to tell you, I, I went back to campus and I saw that beautiful new gym and I'm just, just so jealous because in those days, all we had were really just uh, a lot of heavy iron. And uh, to me, working out and being athletic is not about, balancing it's about complementing and i tell kids that if you really want to do well in studies you got to work out because that feeds your your brain your body with you know blood circulating to your brain making you smarter and more importantly it reduces the stress okay it wakes you up when you're at 4 p.m and you just can't study anymore because you've been in these library three or four hours straight you go work out for an hour you come back and you're ready to hit it and it was interesting because we did create kind of a little bit of a a click there uh, one of my workout partners was a guy whose name is john brown cal state fullerton alumni jb uh, he's mr universe he was mr universe a couple of times there and he you, you ought to google him john brown bodybuilding and i'll tell you he taught me some discipline you work out with jb and you better not say that you can't do another rep because he'll force you to do two or three more reps. And he enjoys watching, uh, watching you in pain. But that's the kind of determination working out under those conditions creates in you. Uh, that shapes your DNA. Uh, that kind of discipline I had working out is the kind of discipline I had studying. Uh, so it, it's complementary. It's not balancing. It's, it's one working with the other. And I truly believe that if I don't work out, uh, I'm not as good at my job. And today in Congress, um, we have a gym. There's a gym in Congress in the basements. 
And both Democrats and Republicans work out about six in the morning Eastern time, which is 3 a.m. our time. And all of us there um, work out. We make great relationships. Um, we, we talk about issues. We share stories about our family. I've met guys that played running back for Alabama 40 years ago, guys that played for Notre Dame, for Clemson, for USC. And, and you get to share these stories with each other. You find common ground, common areas of interest where you can build and you can find ways to work with each other. My one of my bills that's moving through the legislature right now has to do with research in cannabis and veterans. My principal co-author is a very conservative Republican from Louisiana, okay? The way I met him, the way we got a relationship was working out. Then when I needed him to be my, my author, said, hey buddy, let's talk. You wanna help veterans? And at first he said, well, the subject matter. And then when I explained to him what I was doing, he came on board, took a little bit of work, but he came on board and my bill is moving through the legislature right now. And the point is working out, not only is about physical, but working out is also a place where you make relationships. Actually, you yeah. build friendships and you, you, you develop lifelong lessons on how to work with people. So, when you when you think back on Cal State Fullerton, what, how did you decide what to study and why did you study what you studied? I'm laughing again because you're boy, you're hitting all the highlights here because I came to Cal State Fullerton, I think as a political science major, I moved to engineering, I moved to business, I ended up in economics. And so I tell the kids, don't stress out over your major, just find a passion. Find something that you like, and success will come later on in life. If you are doing something that you're passionate about, you'll be doing something that you're going to be good at, and you'll be successful. Uh, money is secondary. Nobody ever listens to that, but money should be secondary. It's your happiness, your health, your family, and then money. Um, and the way I got into economics, I was economics major was took a couple of classes in the major and I was really fascinated and turned on by just the subject matter. Uh, I came very close to going and getting a PhD in economics. Maybe someday I, sh I will because I just love the topic. But to me, it was something that I loved. It was something that made sense to me and something that I was good at. It all came together, and I'm very happy that I majored in economics. But again, the reason I was able to go from you know three, four majors to finally figure out economics was that I could afford it. If I would have been a private university, you know, blowing two or three classes not in my major would have probably hurt financially. But because I was a Cal State Fullerton and I, the costs were reasonable, I could take that opportunity and really focus on the areas I wanted to focus on. And Congressman, you talked about uh, private universities and I'm curious as to when and why and how the, the term Harvard of the West came up with you and Cal State Fullerton. 
Well, you know, when I, when I, when I ask people that I meet, primarily high school students and college students, I always ask them the question, why do people go to Harvard? And they look at me oddly, and the answer is clear, which is people go to Harvard University because they can't get into Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> and of course, when people laugh, I, I set them down and I say, think about this a minute, okay, folks? You're spending a bunch of money, you're going to bad weather, and uh, you're away from home. Uh, most of us here in this area, um, we, we, we have to take care of our families. Most of us here in this area um, care about our families and our communities. Uh, most of us here in this area don't have a lot of money. And most of us are looking for an institution that's actually going to go out and help us learn. Whether it's the Dreamer Center, whether it's Upward Bound, whether it's that extra counselor, my economics professors, they knew me by name because every day after class, I'd be there bugging them to explain to me one more time that theory. And one more time, how does that really work? That's what Cal State Fullerton is about. And so for people to think that you're going to go off and, and find that, that, you know, goose that lays a golden egg, or you're going to find uh, the grass greener than this side. Yeah, maybe you will. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. I, I tell students, you ought to shoot for the stars. But at the same time, I also tell students, you have to balance your life. Balance your life. I could have gone to Harvard. I could have gone to the East. I could have done many things, but I had to balance my family. I had to balance my finances and I had to balance my community. And this is the way the cards were dealt to me. I got the cards and I think they were good cards. I'm blessed to live in Central Orange County. I'm blessed to represent my friends and neighbors that I grew up with. And, and so, yeah, I could have gone to Harvard, I could have gone to Stanford, but you know what? Great institutions, but Cal State Fullerton was the right choice for this guy. And it's the right choice for a lot of people. Just a few days ago, I laughed because another true story, I got a phone call from a high school counselor here in the area who said, hey, Lou, this young man just got accepted to this very prestigious university, but they're trying to figure out how to pay for it. And the family's stressing, and this is the pain the family's going through. And I said, well, let's, let's pull back a little bit and talk about the decision, okay? Um, what's the plan? And he wants to play baseball. I said, wow, you wanna play baseball? Let me talk to you about Cal State Fullerton. Let me talk to you about Santa Ana College. And let me talk to you about tuition and expenses and the family. And is that kid gonna feel well when he goes across the country to play baseball when his parents are striving, struggling, striving to survive here? Probably not. Because you can't go away and focus 100%, 110% on your studies when you know back home, things are not balanced you got to have that balance to focus on your studies. And, and I gave the young man the advice, which was, look, 
You know, that's a decision I made, okay? 40 years ago, I made the decision. I'm going to give that up. I'm going to give up the assumption of stardom for what I need to do. I need to balance my life. I need that extra help. I need that extra time to study. And I got to make it all come together. And for me, that's why this is the Harvard of the West Coast. The Harvard of the West Coast is where you're going to get the best education and it's going to make you a better person. I love it. Love it. Now, you, uh, we also know that you didn't stop at Cal State Fullerton. You went out to UCLA and you got your, your law degree and you also got an MBA. So I'm going to ask you, if you look back on those two, those two degrees, which one do you think is you enjoyed more? Which one do you think is more important, the JD or that MBA? You know, let me answer it the following way. If I had the chance to do it again, I would do both degrees, but I would do one at a time. Um, like I said, I was always, the finances were always, you know, in the back of my head. So I was, was trying to get out of school as quickly as possible, start working as quickly as possible. But there is something to be said about being an expert in certain fields as opposed to a generalist. And in my opinion, you go to law school, you become an expert at your craft, which is being a lawyer. You learn the arguments, how to do an argument in court, how to file those documents, how to do the legal research and writing, how to do the moot court. That stuff is gonna take you three years plus to become a good, solid lawyer. Then you go to the business school. Then you focus on the area of becoming a good manager. That's the way that should work. Trying to do both in four years is too difficult, in my opinion, and just doesn't afford you the opportunity to learn the craft, one or the other. And you, Dr. Verge, you're a lawyer. You come up from, from a very prestigious law firm. You know that to be a good lawyer, you got to be on this stuff. You have to be an expert in the area of law. And it's not easy. And so my answer to you is that the right question to ask is, should you do an JDMB? And the answer is probably not. I'd advise people do one, become an expert, then go back and get the other. Okay. So at some point, you decided to go into politics and you were county supervisor, state senator, now a congressman. I know those are all different pieces. Um, did you enjoy one of those more than the other? And what was it that got you going on the, on the political bug? Well, I'll tell you, it was probably, um, I stumbled uh, into politics. And I say that because I, I got involved in 1994, 95, right when Prop 187 here in California was being passed. And that was the uh, anti-immigrant movement in California where 187 passed. And that initiative essentially said, if you're undocumented, you can't get an education, you can't get any social benefits. And, um, and it also stiffened the criminal penalties that said, you can't go to public school. A lot of very interesting, nasty things. And uh, as an American, as a person who's a uh, children of immigrants, a child of immigrants, I should say, I took that personally. Uh, 
my grandfather came to this country in the 1890s, 1900s. He was repatriated back in the 1930s, meant deported back to Mexico. So my father, an immigrant, but actually an American-born immigrant. So you begin to see patterns emerging when it comes to history, immigration policy, politics, movements. And so I wasn't there in the 1930s to help my grandfather, but I was there in the mid-1990s to help those immigrants that were up uh, getting hit again. And that's where I got started volunteering. I got involved in the Democratic Party. I was never really a, a what would you say, a, 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 you know, politically active Democrat. I, I, I registered as a Democrat and when I turned 18. I voted for Jimmy Carter back in 76, but wasn't really that active. I was more, I had more, probably more Republican friends than I had Democratic friends. And that's the way I got involved. I got involved in a couple of campaigns and people recruited me. I should have said no, but I said, okay, let me look at it. And uh, got elected to the state assembly, served there six years, went on to the county supervisor uh, seat. And then of course, down to the state Senate and then uh, to Congress. Now I have to tell you that um, I lost a couple of fights. My first race in 96, I lost by 93 votes. And when you lose in politics, you feel like your guts are being ripped out of you and you, you know, you, you get into the, uh, uh, that strange fetal position. I was there for about three months. The other people just decide to quit. I just, it, it's tough to lose. But uh, I lost again in 2015 when I tried to go back to be a county supervisor and I only lost by 44 votes. And, and by then I, I was asking God what the message was that he was trying to send me. And the message was that the congressional seat opened up two months later and I ran for this one and I won. So um, the difference, of course, in county government uh, versus state versus federal um, is, is uh, light years. Uh, county government, I believe, is the most satisfying. You go out there, you build roads, you fix the potholes. Uh, you do those kinds of things. At the federal level, um, the world is your jurisdiction. Right. Uh, today, working with COVID-19, putting together these massive, massive, unprecedented bailouts, what is in them, who gets the benefits, who doesn't. You deal with immigration policy, you deal with manufacturing policy, healthcare policy, tax policy, um, it is so diverse, yet it's all interconnected. Uh, I spend more time on the phone, more time talking with my colleagues, with experts, uh, learning more about what it is that we need to do now. Uh, just COVID-19, for example, revealed to us uh, the big gaps we have in the manufacturing of protective wear, testing kits, uh, 90%, 90, 95% of our uh, chemicals and pharmaceuticals, chemicals to make uh, medicines all come from China. Nothing against China, but we need to make sure that we have our own manufacturing capability here. So in the event China ever goes down, we can be there to rescue the Chinese people. And, and so you begin to see that uh, just the myriad, the array of issues, politics that we touch at the federal level is unbelievable. 
And again, when I'm voting in Congress, I have to take all of that and translate it into a vote that represent my constituents, that represents the best interests of my constituents. Um, and again, uh, I'm relying on that economics degree from Cal State Fullerton. I'm relying on my friends and neighbors to tell me what it is that they need. And when I push that button, that's what I'm doing, representing my constituents. So I know in, 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 uh, in your political life, you, you have an agenda, which we've talked about before. I know how passionate you are about veterans. I know how passionate you are about um, accountability for government spending, immigrant rights, uh, uh, taking care of uh, our undocumented population. Am I missing anything or what, what other areas are you focused on? Well, let me say to you, Dr. Verge, that the big picture is I'm a patriot. I love this country. Um, I do everything I can to make sure that this continues to be the greatest country in the world and that those elements that made us the greatest country in the world are there to continue to keep us number one around the world. And that, that talks about economic opportunity, freedoms, freedoms of religion, democracy, representation, make sure that your vote is counted, make sure there's freedom of expression, um, immigration, this is a land of immigrants. Every time you turn around, you find somebody from a different part of the world that is contributing mightily to this country. Uh, immigrant rights, the debate we're having right now, should the undocumented get a stimulus check and the answer is no, we're not giving them. Should they? The answer is yes. Why? Uh, just two weeks ago, I was out at the fields here in Irvine watching farm workers under these conditions of COVID-19, working, harvesting our crops. And I thought to myself, if these farm workers stop working for a month, we will have shortages of food at our supermarkets. In the Midwest, poultry plants, chicken processing plants, all employees, most of them I should say, are undocumented. They're immigrants, refugees. And I don't think anybody would say it's a good public policy to hammer these folks and deport them. You need them, we need them for our food supply. We're talking national security. And as a patriot, I believe, among many things, two basic tenets. Number one, we have to be food independent. We need to be an exporter rather than an importer of food. Otherwise, we put ourselves in a very perilous position. And in terms of energy, we also have to be energy independent as opposed to be dependent on OPEC or other powers around the world. Why? Well, when I was going to Cal State Fullerton, guess what? We had two OPEC oil embargoes. And I remember, okay, waiting at five in the morning to try to get two gallons of gas. Gas went up two or three times that I was paying overnight. Hello? Yep, we Hello? missed you for a second. Yes, yeah. yes. So, again, I'm a patriot. I believe in, in fundamentally trying to focus on those things that make America great, that have made us great. And 
making sure that we leave this country, our world, a little bit better for our children. So on that front, do you, um, do you have any uh, political heroes in, uh, uh, that you look to as a sort of a guide uh, from a morals perspective, an ideals perspective? You know, I have many heroes. And looking back at my life, I think one of the people that is clearly heads and shoulders above all um, is my mom. And I get emotional when I talk about her. I lost her four years ago, uh, three months before my congressional election. But you had an immigrant uh, who came to this country uh, cleaning hotel rooms. That's what she was doing. Cleaning hotel rooms at a buck sixteen hour to help us make it. Uh, never complained, just worked hard, did the best she could for us. And just hardworking American. Became an American citizen when she was 70. And after that, never missed a vote. And she would always, when I would have the time to go over and visit her, she would just bend my ear about politics. And it was just, Wonderful to see this 80-year-old woman just uh, watching the news and devouring the, the political information. And whenever I'd come over, she would read me the riot act. What, why are they doing this? How can they do this? You have to fix it. Yes, mom. Yes, mom. <laughs> so she was my hero because you know what? We, we survived with very little. And as much as we struggled, um, she made it happen. I remember when we were kids, uh, we didn't have a TV, and uh, she went out and rented a TV for us. We didn't have enough money to buy a TV, so we went out and rented a black and white TV. Wow. And that lasted for about three weeks, because then we didn't have money to pay the rent, so we had to give the TV back. But I thought to myself, she knew we couldn't afford it, but she was trying to make us just a little bit happier. So she, she is clearly my hero and one of those individuals that I look for, uh, for lessons about life. Okay. Well, Congressman, I know we're, we're running short on time. And before I, we let you go, I wanted to talk about your um, involvement with the university as an alumni. Um, it's constant and it's ongoing. You're always engaged. Just the other day, you were at the Northgate Market for the Latino Communications Initiative. Um, you're always present. What would you say to our nearly 300,000 alumni who may not be as engaged in the Titan family as we like them to be? Well, I would tell them uh, that I, I know what they feel. I, I get pulled a hundred different directions and sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to communicate, to give back to those institutions that gave us so much. But I would stop and ask the alumni to reflect on not just giving, but making yourself better because the connections we can make is that alumni, the benefits we get from the alumni uh, programs, from the institution, from the university, are still there. I'm still benefiting from hanging out at Cal State Fullerton. I have a son who's a student there. Um, and I'm going to be spending as much time as I can at Cal State Fullerton, not because I have to, not because I'm an alumni, but because it's good business sense for me to go and continue to be educated and get those benefits from being a Cal State Fullerton alumni. So I'd say, come hang out with us. Uh, come and uh, mentor some of the kids. 
let them know about the hard knocks of life and how you made it. These kids want to hear from you. So Lou, I, 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 uh, as Matt said, I know we're running quick, uh, short on time. I'm going to ask you one more question, but I'm going to take you back for a minute um, and, and tell you something too. Uh, we were in Washington. We came to Washington with a group of students. Uh, I think it was two years ago now. And we, we were visiting all the congressmen and the senators and uh, they, they, they would sit down with our kids and they would say, oh, don't worry, everything's gonna be great and life is wonderful and life is perfect and uh, you just have to work hard and it'll all work out and um, you know, land of opportunity, all things which are true. And then we came in and we sat down with you, with our students and uh, you know, a couple of our students were undocumented, some of our students were uh, from families that were quite uh, impoverished and they were wondering how they were gonna pay for school and you looked him right in the eye and you said, I can, I can, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend with you. I'm gonna tell you that I can do my very best for you and I will do my very best for you in uh, Washington, but things may not work out the way we plan. And so you have to be prepared, you have to be strong, you have to be resilient and know that in the, in the end, this is up to you, it's what you can do. Take what you've been given by God and make it something special, but you didn't sugarcoat it for them at all. So here we are, two and a half years later, in the middle of this COVID epidemic. These kids have had to move to virtual learning. They're home. You know, you said you had you lived in an apartment with 10, 10, 10 people. Imagine these kids are home with their uh, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles, and, 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 and they're trying to find a quiet place to study. They don't have uh, 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 reliable internet. They're actually wondering, they were working 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week. Now mom's lost the job. They may need to work 50 hours a week and they're still trying to get by. So with this last few minutes that we've got, give some advice to our Cal State Fullerton students. What would you advise them to be doing? There's some sorrow out there, some hardship, but they're also so resilient and they're so hopeful. They are gonna make it. I know they are and we're gonna help them make it. But give them some advice, Lou. I lived through the 2008 Great Recession as a policymaker, and it hurt me every time I saw one of my constituents lose a home. It broke my heart every time I saw one of my families go without work and having to move out of the area. Real pain. Yet, here we are, 2020, we survived 2008, we prospered. We as policymakers recognize the challenges ahead of us. That's why we are investing, we are spending, we are stimulating the economy, almost $3 trillion, another three to four trillion from the Fed, to make sure we have a V-shaped recovery. What that means is we're gonna try to get the economy pumping again on all eight cylinders as quickly as possible. Same, same advice applies, which is don't sit there and wait for this opportunity, opportunities to come to you. We have to be home, we have to be safe, yes, but you have to continue to dig around, look around, make the calls, talk to people, communicate, and know that you're not alone. My office right now is calling seniors asking what can we do for you this weekend i spent 
probably eight, nine hours giving out food at food pantries. We're helping each other out. The, the positive side, the, the silver lining in this cloud is I've never seen so many people step up to help each other. I've met neighbors that I never knew I had in my neighborhood because we all go out walking. We all talk to each other and we share stories and we share advice and help. This is a great time to step up and let's be creative. I'm here to help as well. My office is in Santa Ana. I'm here to help, give advice and recommend. But I'm with you. We're all in the same boat. You're not alone. Don't stress. Stress is like a rocking chair. Gets you something to do, but it gets you totally nowhere. So what I need you to do is get off that rocking chair and take action. Make calls. You know, just dig around and see what's out there. Well, this has been a great time to sit and talk and uh Get your perspective. I, I know uh, I am very, very proud that you are our congressman in Washington. I am very, very proud that you are representing us, but I'm even more proud to have you as the leader of the Titan family. You are an amazing alum, Lou, an amazing person. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to us today. Dr. Fan, let me conclude with the same words I stated to you when I met you, which is uh, you got a big job to do, sir. Uh, we're all counting on you getting it done and to let you know that we're all going to do it together. It's not just you. We're all a team. Count on all of us. Thank you very much. Go Titans. All right. Way to go. Thanks, Lou. Thank you for listening to Fram and Friends, a collaboration between Titan Radio and Cal State Fullerton. For more episodes like the one you just heard, visit titanradio.org.